You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 242 of Teach Better Talk podcast. My name is Ray Hewer, and as always, I am with my incredibly bright co-host, Mr. <laughs> Jeff Gargas. Jeff, I made you laugh. That's all I wanted. You know, for. that's all I ask, is that you make me laugh whenever you can. I appreciate Don't it. Don't you like... You guys can totally tell as listeners when it's like a, a legit, genuine laugh and when it's just like, ah, that was a good one, buddy. We prepared that one in advance. You know what I mean? I feel like that's kind of like the fun yeah. of Teach Better Talk is those like really, really funny laughing fits that are uncontrollable because we didn't plan it. Yeah. Um, most of the time, they're just pity laughs. That's true. It's most just, of the time for your jokes, they're pity yeah, laughs. They're That's pretty, yeah, well, yeah, because most of my jokes are pretty bad. So they, they only warrant uh, pity laughs. So I get it. But, you know, it keeps you going and we just got to keep, you know, filling you back up just so you, you know, keep trekking. So it's fine. Yeah, no big yeah, deal. You know. Speaking hey, everyone. Oh, go, go, oh you, you had know? something. You were like, speak, hey, everyone. What were you going to announce? I was just something. like, hey, announce? everyone. Welcome to 242. We're gonna about to get the show on the road, but... <laughs> Apparently, we're just still going to pretend like we don't know we're recording right now. So anything you want to add in here, Jeff? <laughs> I was coughing. I was going to I was going to try and do a um, a typical Jeff transition there. And what I was going to say is like. Why do you do those? Because you love them, right? You tell I me don't. all the time. You're like, hey, I know I make fun of you on the podcast, but I really love when you do those really tacky I transitions. I don't. Um, but I'm not going to do it now. So you're not getting it. Um, oh, please, though. See, We're all I told the you love them. See, I told seat. you. I was going to say, speaking of things that make you laugh, we're having this awesome event that I think is going to be a lot of laughter at. That's what I was going to say. Okay. I won't say yeah, it. Yeah, that, that was I'm bad. Not Maybe say it, don't say that I'm one. Our it. listeners won't like not that. I'm not going to say it. I'm, I'm I gonna will say, though, it. if you're listening right now and you could possibly click over to your calendar app, We'd really like for you to add in that we're doing a super fun event full of laughs and popcorn on February 19th at 8 o'clock in the evening. Uh, you know, Jeff, it's really funny because this was kind of put together based on people giving us feedback that they loved when we did events where people could just get together and hang yeah. out. Like whether it's the ambassador group hanging out or actually what, what really sparked this was, do you remember when we did that kickoff event last summer? Yeah. And truly, like all these educators hopped on a Zoom call and there was some structure. Like there was sessions people were a part of. Megan yeah. Deegan kind of helped us put that all together. Kind of helped us? Well, no, she I mean, she, she helped us put it together. But when I say it was like an event where people got together, we strategically planned it where there was only a little bit of content, like a little bit of an idea to get kind of like mm -hmm. to get you going, to get your mind thinking. And then it was supposed to be time to hang out, time to relax, time to refill and refuel. And so we got so such great feedback. We wanted to do it again. And while we've done a lot of different things, this one I think is really special because it's actually exclusive to our private group, yeah. which I think brings in a very specific type of educator do you know what i mean yeah i agree um and when you say private group uh you know you refer to our private facebook group 
which is free. So it's like private, but it's pretty easy to get into. Um, well, if you're in education well, and you, you like be there when, yeah, if you're in education, you should be there. End of story. Yeah. But it has about 6,000 educators that get together and talk shop, ask questions, participate in live events. Like, and, and what we wanted to do is create something special where people could grab a bowl of popcorn and maybe their favorite snack or soda and pop on and hang out and I don't know it should be kind of fun I'm kind of excited so, so is this so is this like is there any structure is it just kind of like come hang out like is there going to so be some sort of flow of events or we do have some just surprises just everyone listen I'm legit asking because I don't know just so <laughs> that you're is aware true. this is not Jeff me setting no, right up yeah like, yeah he has no idea. But here's the deal. We wanted to provide a little bit of structure and some surprises because we really do love this group. They, This Facebook group constantly has people sharing ideas. Anything from, here, this is a resource I really liked if somebody needs something like this to, hey, I'm doing this thing in my classroom. Can someone help me? It really is really diverse of educators from around the world. And we wanted to create a space to not only inspire but hopefully help you connect and be supported. And I know we talk about those three words a lot on the team. Uh, it's a part of kind of our vision of how we hope to see the world where educators are supported, connected, and continuously inspired. And so this group, we're just telling people right now the date and the time, which is February 19th at 8 o'clock Eastern in the evening. It's a Friday night. We want everyone to grab a bowl of popcorn and come hang out, and we will have some surprises. We will be offering up some ideas, and hopefully it gives you – just a great way to end your evening. Just a great way to end your week and uh, hopefully spark in some fun positivity to enter in the next week with. So easiest way to get in there is go to teachbettergroup.com or if you just search Teach Better Team on Facebook, our page will show up, but also the group will show up. Jump in there. There's like three questions to answer to get in. You're in. Boom. That's what we're going to – because that's where we're sharing the link, right? Only in that group. Yeah, so that's the kicker. That's the only weird thing about this event that you want to make sure you know is that the Zoom link to enter this popcorn party <laughs> is only accessible if you're in the private Facebook group. So even if you make a Facebook just to join the group, the link is going to be posted uh, about an hour beforehand or the day of whatever. And so you'll be able to have that and just log in and hang out with us. So it should be fun. There we go. I love it. So yeah. teachbettergroup.com or Facebook search Teach Better Teen. Wrong there. Let's talk about this episode. So uh, Eric Francis is well. He's a lot of things. We could throw out his accolades like crazy if we wanted to. We could. And I'll keep it short. He's he's an international author and presenter. He speaks all over the world. He does training all over the world. He's author of now. That's a good question. His book. We talk about that in his episode. Um, Eric has been a he's been in education for twenty five years. He's been a classroom teacher. He's been a site administrator. Uh, he's been a program specialist. He's uh, yeah, obviously an author. Um, he's actually been, and he doesn't, he doesn't touch on this, you know, in there cause it's not his style to list all of his accolades, but he's actually been ranked as one of the world's top 30 education profession professionals. Uh, in 2019 he was number 13 in the world and in 2020 oh number three, um, which is by, uh, by the research uh, organization, global gurus. Um, so pretty bright guy. Um, and honestly, yes, if you yeah. listen to this episode, you'd be like, Oh, that's why. Um, because he just really gets into some stuff. I really enjoy, uh, Eric. We've been connected to him for a long time. Uh, Chad specifically has been connected with him even before any of this happened. Like any teach better thing was a thing or anything like that. So this was really fun to have him on. Super excited about it. Ray, anything in particular that you want people to listen to and grab out of this? Oh my gosh, there's so much. But I think for me, it's the fact that this guy gets quoted in my life about <laughs> four times a month, literally. 
And so to have him on the podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's real and he's nice and he's like a cool flipping dude. I'm a fan. I'm just saying you guys are going to love this episode, but don't let it end here because I have been a stalker of his for quite some time and I just think you should join the fan club. I'm president. So I'll let you, uh, you know, Jeff, if you want to be VP, you, you know, we could start a fan club. This would be great. You are president of a lot of fan clubs. I've noticed that. Okay. But see. Oh, I am busy, but I also yeah. really like when people quote awesome educators. What can I say? What can it's I true. say? I got it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Ray approved. She's the president. You can contact her for how to get into that club. All right. Let's get into episode 242 with Eric Francis. All right. We'll be right back with that episode. But I do want to make sure that you know that you should be listening to all the podcasts, a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Yes, Teach Better Talk is a fun one, and we really appreciate that you have subscribed and hopefully rated and reviewed this podcast. But we also have other podcasts that we have the opportunity to highlight over in our podcast network. Head over to teachbetter.com slash podcast to see the full list. All right, we're here and we are chatting with Eric Francis. And Eric, awesome to have you on the podcast. We've been connected for a, I, what seems like a long, long, long time. Um, and just finally getting you on the podcast. So super excited to have you here. Excited to dive into your story, learn more about you, and to share it with others. Before we get too far into all of that, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me on the show. I mean, right now, I mean, healthy, God willing, um, you know, exercising, you know, haven't uh, really uh, succumbed to, uh, unfortunately, this, you know, coronavirus COVID pandemic. Uh, the great thing about out here is that they just opened 1B for the teachers. And I have a school that's going to count me that I work with as part of their staff. So I'm going to actually hopefully uh, be able to get the vaccine uh, within uh, the next couple of days. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited that you're I mean, geez, the support that you provide teachers just in, in a virtual setting, I'm sure is great. I know it's great, but um thrilled that a staff that you're affiliated with as well is also supporting, you know, that too. I, I can only imagine that you're eager to get into schools and keep supporting educators like you seemingly always have been doing. Um, as our listeners kind of get into your story and the work that you do, and and like Jess, I feel like we've all been connected for a long time, but I'm really interested in kind of how you got to everything that you've been able to accomplish thus far and all the support you provide, would you be willing to kind of answer that silly question of, hey, Eric, like, what do you do? <laughs> well, um, I provide professional development guidance support to uh, schools and staff. I started out here in Arizona, which is where I live. And then it went across the country. And now I've been able to do this around the world. I've been to Singapore and Malaysia uh, a few times. Um, I call myself an education, prof- uh, education professional specialist, not a, um, a consultant or anything, because I-, I think more so my job, my responsibility is not to come in and have, you know, magic bullets or the secret to success. It's really trying to get the teachers and get students into a mindset where they're thinking deeply and most importantly, being able to communicate and express their learning. So that's why I don't want to say consultant. Sometimes that gives you, gives a little bit of a connotation that's not positive. So again, I call myself an education professional specialist. I've been doing this now for 
um, nine years. Wow, I'm going to be going on nine years next month, actually. I started in 2012. I've been in education for the last 25 years. I've been a middle school and high school teacher. I was a site administrator. Uh, I worked for uh, the Department of Education out here in Arizona. And uh, that's really kind of where my career took off, not so much progressing through the agency, but really finding my niche and finding that my gift and I guess my, my specialty is to do training, to do professional development. I wanted to be an instructional leader. I didn't feel that way as a site administrator. I felt more like I was a cop without a badge. Um, I was using my grandfather's, uh, they were NYPD, retired, and I was using their interrogation techniques to find out who uh, skipped uh, third hour or uh, who was in the bathroom fourth hour. By the way, if the tips of their ears turn red, that means they're guilty. And um, really just uh, just kind of like fell into it. I mean, it's kind of funny because now this has become like a career path for educators, but I never foresaw myself doing the stuff that I'm doing and, and I'm grateful and I, I'm just, I have so much gratitude about being able to do this at least one more day, one more month, one more year, and and just really, you know, working and, and trying to carve out, um, you know, something good and, and giving back to the education community and giving back to a career that gave a lot to me. Hmm. Uh, Eric, it's awesome to, to dive into things because you've done so, so much here. And, and you, for, you forgot to mention the fact that you're also an author of <laughs> <laughs> a, a book called If I Got It Right, It's Now That's a Good Question. Uh, and it was published by ASCD. Can you take us into the into the book and sort of uh, when did that come along? What's about? What, what, what would we get from it? Who's it for? Sure. So um, it was published in 2016. And questioning is a technique that I used to use as a teacher all the time. Um, it's actually uh, just the way I look at life. And, you know, being someone who's naturally curious, being someone who's naturally inquisitive. So in the book, what I discuss is, is what's not so much what is a good question, but what a good question does. And I say that a good question stimulates deeper thinking is that when you ask a question, if I had an MRI or a CAT scan in front of all my students, you would see their brains just light up because when you ask a question, you stimulate deeper thinking and you get the kids to think deeply about what it is that you're asking. A good question also deepens knowledge, understanding, and awareness. You're asking that question, not so much to assess knowledge, but you're introducing it to them to where you can deepen their knowledge, understanding, awareness about a text, a topic, a theory, or technique. Um, a good question also expands knowledge, extends thinking. If I ask you a question, I'm hoping to expand your knowledge and understanding and also extend your thinking to maybe go beyond what's conventional. A good question also piques curiosity, imagination, interest, and wonder. So again, when I ask you a question, Hopefully, I'm making you more curious. I'm sparking your imagination. I'm wanting you, I'm helping you try to get more interested in what it is you're learning and also maybe wondering why am I asking that question? But most importantly, a good question um, encourages students to express and share their learning in their own unique way. I strongly believe that the true measure of learning is whether you can not only demonstrate but communicate your thinking and your depth of knowledge. I've also kind of added to that since then because there's been a lot of things going on with questioning and inquiry lately. And also, one of the things I really uh, try to emphasize with it is that a good question not only prompts students to respond, but also reflect. We call that wait time, but 
when it comes to wait time, we're looking for an answer. And that's not what good questions are about. It's not about answering. It's about addressing and responding. It's about, I ask you a question and you reflect upon it and then you respond to it. Not so much with an answer, but you respond, you address it, you communicate with it. And most importantly, a good question is phrased as a question. I cannot believe how many things I see out there and say that this is a question and it's not. It's an item on an assessment or on a worksheet or in a lesson. That's not a question. Or if you see a directive that says, explain how, describe why, interpret what, it has a question stamp, but you're being directive. If it makes you sound like Arlie Emery in Full Metal Jacket or when he's the plastic green soldier in Toy Story, then it's not a question. And the great thing about good questions is, is that you're not supposed to have the answer. And most importantly, it's okay to say, I don't know. Because when you say, I don't know, that's not the end of the conversation. What that is, is it's an invitation to learn. So if I ask you, um, how did Edgar Allan Poe create an entire genre of literary fiction? If you say to me, I don't know, well, I'm going to say, well, I don't expect you to. I just started the lesson. But what if I told you he was the first uh, author to ever write a detective mystery story featuring a sleuth who used deductive logic and reasoning to solve a crime? And what if I told you that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, 50 years later, admitted that he based Sherlock Holmes on this character, C. Auguste Dupin, that Edgar Allan Poe created 50 years before? I didn't teach you anything. I just asked you three questions. And hopefully now you're on your devices or I've gotten you a little bit curious to go, is this accurate? Is this right? And you find out, yeah, it is. So that's what good questions is, is that it's not about answering. It's okay to say, I don't know. And that when you say, I don't know, it's actually an invitation to learn because a lot of times we don't learn because we think we know everything and we don't. Actually, I thought it was great when my students would say to me, I don't know. I then say, I don't expect you to. This is what you got to go find out. If you don't know by the end of the week, then we're going to have a problem. Hmm. I love the way you think about questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, well, that's, I, I really love how deep you went into to what that is. So if that's got if you're listening to this right now and you're like, whoa, I got to get into that. Uh, Eric's been really awesome. And we're going to give away a copy of the book later on the episode. So make sure you listen through all the way through to figure out how to win uh, potentially win a copy of his book. Uh, Eric, I'm really excited to ask you this question, which I always end. It's like my favorite question of the of the show, but you've you've had such a long career in education. You've done a multiple, uh, so many different uh, roles. You've worked with so many different educators all over around the world, world at this point. I'm really interested to hear your story here. Uh, so I wonder if you can share a story with us about a time you've had a failure in your life. You kind of take us there with you. What happened? How did you overcome that? And what did you take away from that? You know, Jeff, I have a really interesting perspective on failure and failure is when you don't like I failed to become an astronaut because I didn't go to NASA and get training. Um, I failed to be an attorney because I took the LSATs and I didn't want to do it. So I didn't go to law school. But I think we look at things. I look at things as successful and unsuccessful. And I've been unsuccessful a lot. In fact, my biggest lack of success is how I got into being a teacher. I actually worked in the film industry before I became a teacher. Um, it was actually my dream to be a, a filmmaker, a film producer, a screenwriter. And actually, I went to um, grad school at Syracuse University. I got my master's in television, film, and radio. Um, three weeks after I got to L.A., I got a job. And uh, 
just I I worked in the film industry. I worked for a producer who was pretty pretty big named, um, and worked on a couple of films. But I was just so miserable and unhappy. And this was my lifelong dream, and and this was my 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 career ambition. I mean, everyone who knew me in high school, they knew I was going to be making movies. I wanted to make movies, and at 24, 25 years ago, 25 years old, I walked away. I said, this is not the life I want. This is not the career I want. And I started in LA and then I moved to New York and I worked uh, there for a little bit. I worked actually um, at a uh, Miramax picture. So in LA, I worked for a producer at Warner Brothers and Sony. And in New York, I worked at Miramax pictures. And just one day I said, you know what? This is not what I want. You know, my dad at the time was, you know, come on out to Arizona. You know, it was it was uh, building up back in the mid 90s, came out there. I'm 25 years old. I just ended my career dream. I'm like, what do I want to do? And what do I like to do? I like to work with kids. I always was a camp counselor in uh, college and I became a teacher. I just kind of fell into it. So I guess, you know, my lack of success. And again, I don't look at it as a failure because it um, basically got me on a path. That's actually a better path. What's ironic about it is that when I became a high school teacher, that a lot of my students wanted to go into the film industry, and a few of them actually went on to make some pretty big movies. And they asked me, and they said, you know, well, what do I do? What do I do when I get out there? And I said, well, here's what you don't do. And I told them about every mistake I made, every kind of faux pas. Um, two of them went on to be pretty big actors. One of them, I taught how to write screenplays. And before he graduated, he had a deal with Michael Eisner to write a movie about Bazooka Joe. And he wrote a couple of scripts. Um, another one's been, she's now a producer. And so I guess my lack of success is that or where I wasn't, where I wasn't successful um, became my success because I, if I stayed in Hollywood, you know, I, I don't know if I would have become a teacher. And um, I know I'm kind of getting long to this, but I got to tell you a funny story. A couple of years ago, I took my daughter out to LA for a birthday and I took her to the Warner brothers um, lot tour. And we're going around and they said, um, we're going to go past the Friends soundstage. And I said, this isn't the Friends soundstage. It's down by Clint Eastwood's production studio on the lot, which was further. And they said, how do you know that? And I said, I used to work here. So they took me on the tram um, by myself and my daughter, showed me where my old office was, where the producer I worked. He's not there anymore. It's now DC um, Entertainment, which was kind of cool. But I talked to this guy and he said, so you used to work in the film industry? He's in his late 20s. I go, yeah. It was now what do you do? I said, I'm a, I was a teacher. I'm an educator. I write books. So I took my daughter through the Warner Brothers, um, uh, the, the uh, little museum they have there. And then he goes, can you come here for a second? All of a sudden, I'm talking to these other tour guides. And they're like, so you worked in the film industry? I said, yeah. I said, so you got out? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, how'd you do it? And it was all of a sudden like I was teaching class. My little, my daughter's like, you know, can you ever not go anywhere and not teach? You know, so it's kind of like I was giving them some encouragement to say, because they, they were, they were these tour guides and they had these hopes that someday they were going to become that big filmmaker. And I told them, this is what I did wrong. You know, I thought, you know, getting a job in the film industry and working for a producer, you know, what I should have done is I should have became a teacher a long time ago. I should have like done it after school or done it on the summers and joined a comedy group or joined kind of some kind of screenwriting group or filmmaking group. And that lack of success turned into the success I have today. So um, I guess that's how I look at it. And I hopefully, you know, people can learn from that is that there's nothing set in stone that career paths fork and they go in different directions and you just never know where it's going to go. Yeah. You know, Eric, I, I love your stories. I don't know that I knew half of what you just shared and I've been connected to you for a while, but it's always so interesting 
to not only hear about how people get into education, but then what they do when they're in it. And I think that whether it be your story of failure, which sure is, sure doesn't sound like a failure, but, but then also looking at your, your narrative of questioning. I, I think that, that the work that you do is so powerful because, and I, I truly mean this as a compliment because it's something I'm continuously working on. And I think something that we hold true to on the Teach Better team, but you're just a normal guy. Like, mm-hmm. like you've done incredible things, but you come across so personable, so human and, and people like learning from other people who always want to like accept themselves as learners. And I think that really goes along the lines of all the work you've continued to do, whether it be before education or now in the work of education that you're doing is that you're constantly looking at it like, well, I'm just trying to do the best I can right now. And if you want to hop on the bandwagon and just like strive to be better, cool, like join the fun. Like I'm happy to help. I'm, I'm here to cheer you on. I'm here to coach you. And, and I really love that mentality. And I, I, I can, I have to tell you that that really resonates when you're even on social media sharing your information. You're always about just supporting people. I think there's so much value in that. So when it comes to what is exciting you, whether it be about the work you're doing or just education as a whole, what is really keeping you excited? What's what's really fueling your fire? You know, my mom is someone who looks at the life, life looks at life glass full, and she taught me how to do that. And Really, I'm kind of looking at what could education look like when this is all over? Um, you know, and like of us, we all had to pivot and shift. I mean, I know you guys are doing a lot with professional development. I'm doing, you know, my, my whole career changed after this thing. And it was easy to like get sad and get depressed and, and, and bogged down about it. But really what's exciting me and what keeps me going is that what could this look like when this is all done, because our profession and the system has been rocked. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of, we can't go back. We can't go back to the way it was. And there's a lot of potential to make a lot of great change. The way we look at assessment, you know, stop looking at as accountability to hold schools responsible or accountable and start looking at, at actual measures of student success. Start looking at our assessments at looking at, you know, how are students doing, um, how we can look at standards. Instead of looking at standards as benchmarks for assessment, why don't we look at them as benchmarks for instruction? Why don't we present the standard to the students at the very beginning and say, okay, guys, this is the finish line and this is the destination. This is the finish line and the pathway to proficiency, what you need to do to demonstrate proficiency. And this is the uh, destination in your progression of performance. And instead of us thinking, okay, this is what I need to teach them or thinking, okay, looking for what they don't understand. What if we search for their strengths? What if we use that standard and just kind of said, okay, here's the end goal. Can you do this? No. Can you do this? No. Can you do this? Yes. Okay. Boom. That's where I start. And I, I, I start with the standard, but I begin at the level where the students are and I build upon their strengths and successes to get them to that standard and then even go beyond it. So I'm really excited. And I think more of us, and we like a lot of us need to get together. I think a lot of us need to form some sort of group or consortium, much like the way a lot of in social emotional learning, a lot of people have done that. They've come together to talk about social emotional learning. From an academic standpoint, I think a lot of us need to get together and really say, okay, 
what could education look like when this is all done? And, and that's what really, really makes me passionate. I'm really looking forward to my next book, which is going to be on depth of knowledge, DOK, and, and, and taking it to the next level, hopefully. And, and I just kind of look to the future with hope. I mean, there's only, my, my attitude is there's only one thing you can do when you hit the wall or hit the ground, bounce. And, and once you hit bottom, you just hit it and you bounce up, you rise back up. So again, I think what really gets me excited is, you know, we have a, a new leadership at the federal level. Um, I think we have, we, and we really have somebody who understands education as a secretary of education. I've heard really good stuff about this guy and hopefully we can get away from this. Let's hold the schools accountable for student performance and really look at assessing how students are learning and what they need and being not so much evaluative, but responsive to what students need when it comes to learning. Use that standard as a benchmark, not for assessment, but a benchmark for instruction to say, this is what it means to be proficient at this grade level. Can you do this? No. Can you do this? No. Can you do this? Yes. Okay. Boom. That's where I'm going to begin with you. And we're going to build upon that so you can get there. And then we're going to take you beyond it. So that's what really is making me passionate is that I think we're at a time where we can see such a dynamic shift and change in education right now. And we can be the ones who make it. Mm. No, you can hear your passion. I mean, I love that you shared all of that because you just get us all fired up. If you had to give us one tangible piece of advice, a tangible piece of advice that you'd want to share with teachers, kind of to to be the the statement of your Teach Better Talk podcast episode, what would be your best piece of advice that you'd want educators to consider right now? It's not about us, it's about the kids. I think sometimes with educators, we look at it based upon from our lens, and we really need to look at it more so based upon from the student's lens. And I know I'm sounding very general about it, but um, you know, looking at it more so from the point of the matter to say that, you know, where is that student? Why is that student acting this way? How can I make this? And, and a lot of things, even I talk about this from an academic standpoint, sometimes we teach the way we're taught and we teach the way that we understand. And that might not be the way our students understand. So a lot of times what I try to even do with my professional development is to show that there's more than one way to do something. Why is it we differentiate instruction, but we don't differentiate professional development? I think that will make teaching really fun is that and really enjoyable is that can I find different and deeper ways that students can learn? And can I give them options? And if I don't get it, but if they get it, why don't we just have them teach us? So for example, I, I say about multiplying multi-digit numbers using the standard algorithm, there's four ways, there's five ways to do it. Four I could teach you and one I can't. And the one way I can't is that stick method because I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, I learned how to do lattice. I learned how to do windows. I learned how to do um, place value understanding, the traditional way of stacking factors. But that stick method, I don't get it. But there might be a kid in my class who does get it. So if I showed them the vid a video and I asked, how many of you guys got that? And if they raise their hand, I said, okay, so what do you see there? Tell me, how did you get, how do you, how does that work? Now the student becomes a teacher. It's not about me. It's about them. 
I am a facilitator of knowledge. I am somebody here to give you the basics and to have you go further with it and to affirm and confirm whether you're correct or incorrect or have a dialogue with you to say, can you defend your position to where you're right or you're wrong? So, and I see a lot of it. Sometimes we, we just take it upon ourselves. And that's also the reason why we work so hard. We need to put it more on the students. We need to basically put it on them. Like, Ray, I know you teach math, right? You teach math. And what if you basically did a math problem and said to the students, okay, so how did I do that? Or what if you did it incorrectly and you say, am I correct or incorrect? You tell me. Like putting it more on the kids. And I think we put a lot of that and, and a lot of it is, you know, just our nature as teachers. We need to basically make it more about the students. We need to put it more on the students. Ask them questions. Don't just say, what is two plus two and have them ask four, answer four. What do you mean? Okay, well, what if I had addition and rounding? How could I use that to prove that two plus two could equal five? You put it more in a student. We need to give them an experience because that experience is what they remember, not the stuff. And that experience will help them to be triggers to transfer. Because when they look at items, they look at, okay, here's just another thing I have to do, another step I have to take. And when they look at a test, they go, okay, here's some more items. But if we do something where we create experience for them and put it more on them and give it to them and say, hey, how do you see this? How do you understand this? Can you defend, explain, and justify it? That will give them an experience where they go to the test and they'll go, oh, yeah, that's like when I was in Mr. Francis class. He made me do it. I hated it when he made me do that. But this is the same situation. That's how I did it. And boom, they get it correct. So I think, again, that's my biggest thing is that we need to make it less about us as educators and put it more on the kids and make it more about the kids. Oh, I love that. I, I love just the focus on putting it on the kids, giving them that. I love how you said, why don't we just let them teach us? Uh, such good advice there. Uh, I want to get into our six questions. I'm going to throw at you fast. But uh, first, I want to do the giveaway. We're going to give away a copy of your book. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a, a really easy way to do is, uh, Eric, where's your preferred social network? Is it Twitter? Is it Instagram? Where are you at? Uh, Twitter's probably my preferred for like the connections with it. I'm on both. Right, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we usually just ask them to do something. So here's them say, jump on Twitter, tweet out. Make sure you tweet at Teach Better Team. Eric, can you throw out your Twitter handle real quick? Sure, it's at Maverick M A V E R I K. No season Maverick M A V E R I K E D U one two. All right, so make sure you tag uh, Eric, tag Teach Better Team, and hashtag Teach Better, Teach Better Talk. Uh, just just answer this question of what is what is good question and mean to you, and then uh, we'll see that we're gonna pick someone randomly and, and give him a copy of Eric's book. So that's awesome, man. Really appreciate you doing that. Oh, you got it. Of course. I mean, hey, it's about spreading the message, man. It's about hopefully helping somebody, and that's the big thing. And and Ray, I really want to thank you that you know you made me feel like I make you feel like I'm a real person and stuff like that. I mean. You know, when you first get into it, and all of a sudden you get this accolades and you get spotlights. You're like, wow, okay, this is great. But then it's really about the message that's out there. And, you know, it, it's like, kind of like the message from Batman Begins. It's not who I am, but rather what I do that make, that defines me. And that's really what I want to be is that, you know, have the work defined. That's why it's funny because when you said, Eric, you didn't say you're an author. I'm not good at that stuff. I mean, I mean, I have accolades and stuff like that. And I don't want to be like, hi, I'm Eric Francis and I'm this, that and I'm other thing. And I got this and I got that. I'm just Eric Francis, man. I would love to just have a conversation and sit down with you. And, and and thank you for saying that. I really, really appreciate that you guys pick up on that. 
I love it. I, and and I love that about you. So we're going to keep having a conversation here. This one's just going to be me asking you a bunch of questions. You're going to answer each one in 15 seconds or less. You good awesome. to go? Good to go. All right. What is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? Oh, my gosh. PowerPoint. <laughs> uh, give us give us a book that you're reading right now. Uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, who do we need to follow on Twitter or Instagram today? You can give us up to three. I would follow – oh, my gosh. I don't know really their, their Twitter names. I know their real names. I would follow Paul Maker. I would follow Tom Herrick. And I would follow Dennis Griffith. And also, wait, Rick Jenner and Rebecca Coda. Sorry, that's fine. <laughs> you totally cheated. I know. Uh, all right. Uh, give us a good YouTube channel, website, or podcast that educators can check out. Tom Shimmer's podcast is great, but I also love you guys. So that's, I mean, that's not to like, you know, wiping my nose a little bit, but you know, I mean, I I love you guys, but you guys and Tom Shimmer and uh, Andrea Samadhi, she's got a great one about neuroscience. Uh, Give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into. Exercise, workout. And lastly, give us the best piece of advice you've ever received. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what comes to my mind? My father. Don't be a putz. <laughs> I love that one. Every time I present, every time I do something, every time I say, my dad's not with us anymore, but I call him my force ghost. So in my right ear, I hear him say, hey, look at you. Huh. And in my left ear, I hear him say, don't be a putz. Don't be a putz. Oh, my God. My family says that all the time. I love that. Oh, that's a good one. That's trophy worthy, Jeff. That's got to be trophy worthy. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Without a doubt. You know, Eric, I know we've talked a lot about not only what you've been able to do in education, but also how valuable it is to be connected with you on social media. So I do want to make sure our listeners can stay connected with you, whether it be obviously by reading your book, but also following you on Twitter and and things like that. So tell me a little bit, how can people stay connected? Where can they find you? Well, they can find me again on Twitter. It's uh, the name of my company, Maverick Education. It's named after my daughters, Madison, Avery, and Amanda. And there's also that movie connection. Uh, So I named it after Top Gun character. It's one of my favorite movies. I can't tell you how bummed I am that I got to still wait for the sequel in 25 years. Cobra Kai (laughs) has been satisfying my teenage my 80s teenage person, but me too. Me too. Yeah. So you can connect with me at Maverick, M-A-V-E-R-I-K-E-D-U-1-2. You can go to my website at Maverick, M-A-V-E-R-I-K education.com. I also have a YouTube channel. I do a thing called 60 Second PD. No words, just music and a bunch of visuals. And it's about a bunch of topics I present on questioning depth of knowledge And I am also, as we talk, I am creating my online class for professional development for depth of knowledge and also uh, good questioning and what I call inquiring minds. And that hopefully should be up and ready within the next uh, month or so. So uh, that's kind of like the big announcement. I haven't told anybody about this. So you guys are the first to hear about this. I'm I'm creating an uh, online class for uh, teaching and learning for depth of knowledge and uh, good questions and inquiry. Nice. That's awesome. Congrats Love on that. It. Yes. Uh, you know, you can find all the links, all the resources that to mention in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as the really important links for connecting with Eric and keep the conversation going, keeping up to date when those courses come out and, and staying connected to him. So be sure to head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate that as well. 
Let's keep taking this just one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and connect with these amazing educators and just share this podcast with them. Eric, this was awesome, man. I'm so happy that you were able to come on. Really, really appreciate you, all the things you do, all the value that you bring to people all day long, every day. I just really appreciate you taking some time and hanging out with us, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I need, to, I need to thank you guys personally, because I know in your book, you talked about depth of knowledge and Chad talked about it. And you guys gave me a shout out in there. I got to tell you, I have so that, that really, really, your book is amazing, first of all. And secondly, that really, really, um, I was really grateful for that. I can't tell you how many people are out there just kind of like saying, oh, this is the okay. And they kind of take it and they, and I'm glad they run with it, but then they kind of take the credit for it, you know? And it's like, Hey, you know, but you guys gave the shout out and you guys, you know, really acknowledged it. And, and, and Chad's been fantastic. And, and Jeff, we talked a few times, Ray, we talked a few times. I am so impressed by what you guys do. I am such a fan of yours, uh, you know, that I, I just think it's amazing. So thank you very much for having me here today. Really appreciate all of that, Eric. Seriously. Thank you so much. It means the world to all of us. So I appreciate that. And until next time, let's get out there. and Let's teach better.